0: long didn't listen? The offensive comments made about bipolar disorder are enough to drive anyone well? Crazy. Listen as we explore why people say insensitive things and how you can better handle them.
1: You're listening to Inside Bipolar, a Healthline Media podcast, where we tackle bipolar disorder using real-world examples and the latest research.
0: Greetings, everyone. My name is Gabe Howard, and I live with bipolar disorder.
1: And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist.
0: I want to ask you a question. You're you're a doctor. You're a psychiatrist. I, I believe you're board certified. I'm 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 not sure where I got that, but it it sounds true. Are there jokes or stereotypes or comments made about your profession that get under your skin?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest one for me is when I meet somebody like at a party or in a social setting, and they say something like, "I'm gonna be careful what I say around you." You're going to be analyzing me like that makes me crazy.
0: <laughs> as I heard that, I'm like, that would make me crazy too, thinking I'm going to work for free. Why would I analyze you for free? I'm not doing that for free. Boy, what do you think? Is this a coupon? Like, this is my time off. I'm not, I'm not analyzing you right now. What did? you think this is my hobby Just go away.
1: But I imagine as someone who lives with bipolar disorder, you also get a lot of things that people say to you because you're pretty open with your illness so
0: unlike how did you know this was where we were going just as it's called inside bipolar and not inside board certified psychiatrist is that is that what tip
1: job and because people also often think that i'm reading their mind they're like oh psychiatrists can read your minds right maybe i read your mind
0: wait wait you can't read minds i have been writing you (laughs) apology emails for no reason just have why haven't you stopped me Oh, this is this is incredibly awkward. Uh, no, you are right. We are going to talk about things that people say to me about bipolar disorder, and you're you're right. I'm I'm very open about it. Now that we have a video component, I have my my literal logo, which is the bipolar logo, tattooed on my body. I, I also have the sticker that I've held up here. I have shirts with the logo on it. So even if I'm not talking about living with bipolar disorder, there's better than average odds that there's something around me that's projecting it, a sticker, a pin, a shirt, a tattoo, or I'm just flat out talking about it because that's how most people come to know me. And I've noticed something. I've noticed a theme doing this for over a decade and nationally. The stupidest and most hurtful things that people say are accidents. When we start off you know, a conversation like this, people are like, Oh my God, did they try to take away your civil rights and call you an asshole? It's like, no, they said, boy, that's a lot of pills. Or they said, ah, isn't everybody a little bipolar? Or, you know, I always thought my mom was bipolar because she was nuts. Ha ha, ha, ha Women. I just, th- these are the main areas that I get. And I'm just like, what is happening here? Why are you saying this to me? But I figured it out.
1: Oh, do tell because I'm still trying to figure it out.
0: It's awkwardness. It's fear. It's arresting to them. The majority of the world believes that bipolar disorder is a bad thing. And and don't get me wrong. I, I don't want anybody to get diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Living with bipolar disorder has been exceptionally challenging. So I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's negative. So the minute somebody walks up and just proudly proclaims, Hi, I have bipolar disorder they're naturally shocked. And if we're being fair, if somebody walked up and proudly proclaimed that they had breast cancer or testicular cancer or diabetes, and they just like said it in like a, you know, cause I, I, I try to keep pretty upbeat and pretty positive. That would also be arresting. So now people want to engage. They see that I'm friendly. They see that I want to chat. So I've walked up Hi, I live with bipolar disorder. And they're like, Uh,
1: everybody's a little bipolar. So they're trying to make you not feel bad about having bipolar disorder. But in doing so, maybe they minimize the fact that you have bipolar disorder. Maybe. Or maybe they just blurt something out. I mean, silence is uncomfortable for people. And maybe they just don't know what to say. But it still comes from a place of ignorance and can be hurtful.
0: It can be. I wanted to bring up something that was somewhat innocuous and and something that people say a lot really at first because I, I want to put this idea in the audience's mind. While these things can be painful Why they can be offensive Why they can be stupid Aggravating They're not necessarily malicious Now that's not an excuse for people to do it We must educate the people around us We must get to a place where they're not saying Short-sighted, stigmatizing statements like that But I think that sometimes we As people living with bipolar disorder hear it And we jump to the conclusion That we're being discriminated against We're being stigmatized against That it's a malicious statement in order to pull us down and i'm always really bummed by that because i have realized gabe howard personally that the majority of the time it's because the person that you confessed i guess for lack of a better word bipolar disorder to didn't know what to do and they were so terrified of saying nothing or saying the wrong thing or leaving the impression that they were being malicious that they just walked right through the offensive door and i would like Every advocate and everybody listening to take a couple of things to heart. One, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to educate. And two, if somebody is so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they do say the wrong thing, that's kind of progress, right?
1: I mean, I guess. I don't have this experience, but as a, as a Black woman in the world, sometimes people say things, right? And they don't think about like how offensive something could be or how it could evoke an emotion that they weren't intending, right? Like they were trying to make a joke and you're like, I don't know that I think that's funny. An example for me is a lot of times people will say, Oh, last name Washington, were you related to George? And I'm like, Well, maybe he owned some of my ancestors. I mean, I don't know. Like (laughs) what what do you want me to say? So it's kind of those, you got to laugh to keep from crying moments, or you got to laugh to keep from being sad moments. But at the same time, those kind of statements can be offensive. Like the person didn't mean anything by it. They were trying to make a joke. They were trying to connect with me in some way. They were trying to just maybe build some rapport. You know, they were trying. They just didn't think all the way through to the other side of the comment. So I hear people say these things to my patients and I cringe because I go, "Ooh, they shouldn't have said that. And I think another one that falls in this category is, well, you don't look bipolar.
0: Oh, that's, that's my favorite.
1: And I know that they probably mean well, like they probably mean well, but also comes from a place of them really having poor knowledge or lack of knowledge, ignorance about bipolar illness, right? Because when they think bipolar disorder, they think some madman running naked through the grocery store, doing stuff that's wild and outlandish, they don't think of oh, but people with bipolar disorder also have these moments where their mood is perfectly stable and normal, and they just look like everybody else, and you can't tell just by looking at them. Another one of those. I bet that makes you cringe.
0: It it makes me cringe for two reasons. One, because this idea that bipolar disorder has a look. There's this part of me that wishes that that were true. Could you imagine if like bipolar disorder had a look and we could identify what that look was and then we'd just be on the lookout for it? Like, for example, if all of a sudden something started growing out of my forehead, we would know that was abnormal. And everybody seeing this would look at my forehead and be like, hey, there's... There, there, there's a bump there. That bump is getting bigger. It's, ooh, ooh, ooh. You need to see it, do- right? I get help sooner. I wouldn't have to wait for this abscess to cover my eyes, make me go blind or kill me because people would notice it right away and help would be rendered. Bipolar disorder doesn't have that. There is no look. That's why that is an extra tough statement. Because there is no look, but people think there's one. How many people are they overlooking? And I I say this because I I was, I was overlooked because I didn't look crazy, making air quotes for the people not watching on video, but just listening. Nobody thought that I was, nobody thought that I needed help. Nobody thought to take me to a Dr. Nicole, get me therapy, talk to me, help me. I was left to suffer because I didn't look like the people with mental illness on television. That one kind of gets me in the gut for that reason too. I'm like, man, I had to suffer for all those years because I didn't look like some makeup artist's interpretation from a movie?
1: I heard someone say this recently. um, uh, Someone (laughs) was talking about having had a manic episode. And a person said... Man, I wish I was manic at least like a couple days a month so I could really like get my house cleaned and get stuff taken care of. And I'd love to be manic for a little bit. And I could see the facial expression of the other person who I knew had bipolar disorder. You know, I knew their struggles. And so I was like, I don't think that was good.
0: You know why that's the worst Everybody listening with bipolar disorder already knows that's the worst. But if you have somebody in your life who says this to you, I I want you to pause right now. Go get them and bring them back because I'm going to tell you why that's awful. It's awful because mania is terrible. Oh, it feels good. Lots of stuff feels good. Right. It doesn't mean that it's healthy. Many people who have managed bipolar disorder for any amount of time has a horrific story that starts right about the time mania ends because that artificial positive feeling that mania was pumping through your body goes away and all you're left with is this devastation and destruction. So you ask any parent who's lost their children, you ask anybody who's been arrested, you ask anybody whose spouse or significant other has left them you ask anybody who's lost their job spent their mortgage lost their house filed bankruptcy just how great having mania is and all of us are like wow it's the literal equivalent of siding with like your buddy's worst enemy you know your your buddy shows up and be like man man yeah bob attacked me and set my house on fire and everybody's like yeah i wish i could be bob's friend like just a couple of times a month (laughs) you said what now I just told you Bob was terrible. And then they explained to you why. No, 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 no. Bob is a really good friend. It's super motivating. You know how much exercise you get when you're running away from the fire? Like, that's excellent. I wish I could get just here is another example. I wish that I could get chemotherapy so that I could lose weight. Anybody who says that is an asshole. That's a terrible thing to say to somebody who is treating cancer. That the benefit of chemotherapy is you lose all that weight. That's a really crass and mean thing to say. Even though weight loss is a side effect of chemotherapy, it's just utter nonsense. Please stop saying it. I believe that we can work it out <laughs> and we can be friends. But stop <laughs> it. It's hurtful.
1: But it can also serve kind of another unintended consequence, right? How many people do we know who have bipolar illness who are constantly like longing for their mania? They have all these people around them saying, mania is bad, mania is bad. I know it feels good, but it's bad. And then you got one person who says, man, I wish I could be manic for, you know, a little bit. I mean, like, it looks fun. Like, you got a lot of energy, you get a lot of stuff done. And then that person's like, yeah, you know what? it is pretty great. And they latch onto that one person who talked about how cool being manic was versus the 15 people in their lives who said, it's bad. It's
0: really bad. I understand why people romanticize mania. And listen, as, as a speaker and a podcaster, I talk about mania a lot because it's fascinating. I am fascinated by mania. And the audience is fascinated by mania. And when people hear the things that people do because of mania, it's incredible storytelling. I I would say that of the top 10 stories that I ever tell publicly, half of them are related to mania because it's just so incredibly gripping. But You know, true crime podcasts are the number one genre of podcasts because true crime is gripping. Murder is fascinating. But nobody takes that extra leap to say that murder is a good thing. We acknowledge that crime happened, and we acknowledge that for whatever reason, we're entertained hearing about the details. And uh, we should should probably examine that maybe a little bit. Maybe maybe the next time we're at a party, you could... uh, (laughs) You could examine us, Dr. Nicole, (laughs) maybe just analyze why we're fascinated by using murder as entertainment. But as we go through this example, people are thinking about it. They're like, huh, that is kind of a weird thing. Why do we use murder as entertainment for people who have experienced mania? Truly, truly experienced mania, been burdened by mania and had their lives fall apart. We're just like, wow, why do you think this? And you're right. In the early days, I was extraordinarily impressionable. People who said, Oh, Gabe, you're the life of the party. That's awesome. They they accidentally, and I'm it's a difficult thing for me to say because I, I'm not blaming them in any way, but you know, mania has a way of ramping up. And sometimes there is a moment where if you have the right people around you, you can get it to subside. Those people can run real interference for you. They can calm you down. They can decide, you know. Tonight's not the night we're going to go out. We're going to stay in. Maybe Gabe needs help sleeping. Maybe we can do something different. But then there's your other friends who, largely because they don't know. In fact, I'd say 99% because they don't know anything's bad that happened. Like, Gabe's wild today. Gabe is talking about, we're going to the club. Woo, woo. This is going to be awesome. Watch it. Last time we did this, Gabe ended up in the fountain. That was awesome. Remember when you ended up in the fountain, Gabe? And yeah, I remember when I ended up in the fountain. I'm lucky I didn't get arrested. Maybe that story wouldn't be so fascinating if we were all hauled off to the police.
1: Hey, everyone. My name is Rachel Star Withers, and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia inside schizophrenia is a psych central and healthline media podcast and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player check us out and we're back talking about bipolar disorder and the offensive things that people say Those are the like, I mean, well, I'm just trying to fill space, build rapport. But then I think there's a different category of these things that probably you also don't like when people use bipolar disorder in these ways. And so I want to put these in a the little basket that I'm going to label, when you know better, you should do better.
0: Yes. I like that basket. <laughs>
1: those, are the th- those are the things that we say without necessarily really thinking about it, right? We've seen a lot here lately, people having to learn more. They're having to learn more. They're having to do better, right? We saw Lizzo and we saw Beyonce take lyrics out of songs because they use the term spaz, which is a very negative term that a lot of people honestly didn't know the origins of the word. They didn't know it was a negative term or didn't know that it was derogatory towards a certain population of people with certain disabilities. They didn't know. So we just used it. It became part of culture and and they put them in these songs and people said, hey, you can't say that. And so we got these two stars who said, you're right. We can't say that. I need to pull it from my song. I can do that.
0: One of the criticisms that I get is I say all the time, like that was crazy or that was nuts. And people are like, well, but Gabe as a mental health advocate, why do you keep saying crazy? You've you, you got to get rid of that word. And, and I always respond with, look, language is difficult. Language is constantly evolving. And I believe that crazy doesn't really have anything to do with mental illness. It, it, it's become a catch-all term to mean something is out of sync. And they're like, well, but people with mental illness are out of sync. Okay. Well, it means that something is, is different or abnormal. Well, people with mental illness are different or abnormal. Okay. But what word are we going to replace crazy with? When I say oh my God, that was crazy. You know what I mean? If I say, oh my God, that was a situation that was unlike other situations in a way that was very different and, and absurd, You're just like, well, what is he talking about? But here's the thing. Here's all I need to know. I remember Lizzo and Lizzo was like, I, I don't mean it that way. I didn't know that's what it meant, but you have educated me. It doesn't matter how I meant it. I now know how you perceived it and it's my job to communicate. And therefore, let's go ahead and change this up.
1: It's not that serious.
0: Yeah, we've we've seen this happen. Businesses who have dropped offensive words from their name. I remember several years ago before the the pandemic, Dolly Parton dropped the word Dixie from Dixie Stampede. She owns a Dolly Parton owns everything, but she owns a chain of uh, dinner theater restaurants that was called Dixie Stampede. And Dixie is an offensive word. It bothers a lot of people. Now, some people are like, well, Dixie doesn't bother me. I'm fairly certain you're Caucasian then. <laughs> uh, but Dolly Parton was like, look, if I call it Dolly Parton's Stampede, everybody's still coming and everybody's still having a great time. Right. And now nobody's offended. This is a super easy lift. Yeah, Dolly Parton is a national treasure.
1: She is a national treasure. We stand a queen. We got to put that out there. Yeah. We, we stand a queen. Love her. And nobody's going to not listen to Lizzo. Because she took that word out of her album. Exactly. Like that. ridiculous. Ridiculous.
0: We've got to decide where we want to draw our lines. Yeah. Yeah. And and supporting people who are willing to grow with us is super important.
1: Yes. I think if you care about someone or you use that term and somebody says to you, I didn't like that you used that term. Like it made me feel some kind of way. I didn't like it. If you're in a public space and we use the term on this site. We used it on this podcast describing something. If people were writing in and saying, oh, I didn't like that you used that. I think we'd have to own that and go, we care about our listeners. We care. You're right. We shouldn't have used that word. We'll do better. I think it's the reaction that comes after someone says, that's a little bit offensive because you don't get to tell me what offends me, right? Like I I can't tell you, well, Gabe, you shouldn't be offended by that. That's crazy. You shouldn't be offended by that. That doesn't make sense, right? The other um, one, what about when people say the weather's bipolar?
0: See, that one doesn't bother me at all because that's accurate. Bipolar just means between two poles. Like that's the literal definition of the word. It it also describes a a diagnosis, but... Bipolar has a definition. So when people say the weather is bipolar, they just mean that it's existing between two poles. First off, the the illness that we have is not called bipolar. It's called bipolar disorder, right? That's what makes it a complete sentence. We've kind of chopped it in half. I really do think that we kind of have to give this one back. And we have illnesses that exist where the illness name ties into other things. Like we've heard politicians have to be removed from the Senate because they're like a cancer to their party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, nobody gets offended, right? Everybody's like, okay, we get it. Some words just have double meaning. And you know who invented that? Michael Jackson. Because when I was a kid and I was bad, I knew that mom and dad were mad at me. But then Michael Jackson came out and he's like, you know, I'm bad. I'm bad. And then my mom was like, you're bad. And I'm like, damn right I am. And you know what kids do now? Sick. That one struck me. Some kid that I was dealing with, and by kid, he was 25. He's like, that's sick. I'm like, really? I did something like I was, why do you think that's sick? I'm like, I think, I-. he's like, no, 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 sick's a good thing now. I'm like, what's happening here? I only bring all this up because language evolves and changes, and it could mean different things to different people.
1: Language absolutely evolves and changes. I agree with that. And I think, and I like your weather analogy. It It's not one that I use. Like, I don't know if it's a term that is in my vocabulary. I don't think I've ever described hey, I don't the say it either <laughs> as bipolar, but I know that I have had people tell me like, oh, I was in a social setting and someone said this and it made me feel some kind of way. And it, it just kind of made me feel bad. And I think it still always goes back to like, what kind of emotion did it evoke for someone you care about? And let's be honest, here we go. This, this is where I give you my disclaimer. What I'm about to say may upset you.
0: <laughs> what Uh-oh. I'm about to
1: say, you may not like. So email Gabe if you don't like it. Don't email me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what I'm going to say is, for some things, yes, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I could see how that would be offensive. I really could, right? It's like, I get that, right? But sometimes, my bipolar disorder having listeners, sometimes when something is such a huge part of your life, and it's so stigmatized and you feel so just outcast because of the fact that you have this illness and you really haven't come to grips with the fact that this is a disorder that I have. And you're still trying to grasp, like, am I a normal person still or does this mean like I'm damaged, especially when you're in that phase of the illness yourself? Everything can feel like a slight. So it is it is easy to be a little more sensitive to somebody saying that weather's bipolar and you take it as like, oh my God, they said something really negative about me. When if we really dig through it, maybe something like that may not necessarily be that it was malicious or anything like that. It may just be that you were just in a vulnerable spot. And when they poked you, it hurt because you were being very sensitive, which we know that there are times, especially early on in your illness, or you're still trying to grasp the idea and the concept of I have this thing that can be really tough.
0: As you were saying that, one of the things that I think of is a a, a common story or, or phrase, terminology, maybe for lack of a better word, that they have in trauma therapy, which is somebody else walked through a door that somebody else opened. The person that you're mad at is the person who opened the door. But because the door was opened, this other person was just like, hey, open door. They just walked through it not thinking anything of it. You're now mad at the person who walked through the door when you're actually angry at the person who left the door open in the first place. That really speaks to me a lot because living in a society and listening to things in pop culture, listening to things on the media, we can't live in this perpetual state of offense because well, that's just no way to live. and i'm I'm very lucky in my life. I, I am surrounded by advocates all over. The nation in in things other than mental health, uh, you know LGBTQ plus advocates, feminist advocates, social justice advocates. And I talk to all of these different groups because we we meet together at conferences to figure out how to be better advocates. And I'm reminded of a of a woman I met. At a conference, and I said, It look, isn't that offensive? And she looked me right in the eyes and she said, Look, I don't have time to be offended at everything. It's not offensive enough to get me out of bed in the morning. I'm just I'm just gonna let that one go. Now that's on a, a big, big level, but push this back down to individual. Is it worth blowing up at your friend? Is it worth blowing up at your mother? What about if your buddy says it? Like you know your buddy's heart. That's why, that's why he's your buddy, right? You you know your mom's heart, you love your mom, and It's a little bit hard for me to share this story because it's true, but my mom doesn't come off well. The worst slight that I ever had as a man living with bipolar disorder, the meanest thing that anybody ever said to me is uh, when I was newly diagnosed, I was on seven pills in the morning and and five pills at night. That's a lot of pills. I have giant hands. I'm picking up these little tiny pills and I'm putting them in this little pill minder. I'm, I'm only a few months past diagnosis. So I'm still not in recovery. I'm still learning. I'm scared. And I'm sitting there at my kitchen table, trying to do this. And my mom walks in, takes a look at this whole thing in front of her and says, "Ugh, those pill cases are bigger than your grandma's. And, and it hurt. I'm, I'm a 26 year old man with, with all that that carries. I, I'm just going to leave that statement right there. And you just compared me to an old woman. It It hurt. It hurt me deeply. And I didn't tell my mom that story for years. In fact, my mom heard the story for the first time in a public speech uh, that somebody put on YouTube and she was all upset. She's like, I didn't mean nothing by it. And, And I said to her, I said, I know. That's why I never addressed it with you. I knew you weren't trying to be mean. Right. You don't have a mean bone in your body. The, the reason that she was at my house is because I was struggling. I was just a few months past diagnosis, and I couldn't be alone. And she came all the way from Tennessee, seven hundred miles, six hundred and fifty miles, to stay in my house and take care of me. So, yeah. I to this day, it just hit me so hard. But, but, Doctor Nicole, sincerely, I got to tell you, as an advocate. I could find reasons 24-7 to be offended if I wanted to. (laughs) I think it's more empowering to find ways to find the offensive things and make real change, to challenge those things in a way that make people want to engage. Let's talk about that for a moment. I want to give a hard truth. If somebody says something offensive to you and you start yelling at them in public, they win.
1: Yeah, because you have proven them right, even though they're not right. Exactly. (laughs) You have proven them right.
0: Anger in our society is disrespected. It is a needed emotion. It is a powerful emotion. But I got to tell you, public displays of anger are not respected. Listen, it, d- depending on your gender, your age, your race, your culture, where you are, it's even less respected. I think I could probably get away with yelling at another man, maybe, but imagine if all six foot three, 250 pounds of Gabe started screaming at his five foot three mother. No way anybody is going to hear that she hurt my feelings after I yell at my mother, right? The big guy yelling. I'm like a foot taller than my mom. And she little, she's so little. This is a part of the story that she likes. She a tiny person. She weighs like 90 pounds soaking wet.
1: But it sounds like what you're also saying is that your mom had some equity built into this thing. So you were able to kind of separate her from her words, right? Because you knew that her words were not necessarily indicative of who she has been to you for the years up until that point, right? Yes. You chose to just pick your battles. And I think that when people are offended in general, whether it is because of race or gender or whether it's because I think we live in this lane of you pick your battles, right? Because you also don't want to be that person who every time somebody says something you don't like, you're like, well, you know you shouldn't use that word because of blah, blah, blah. Or you know I don't like when you do that. So a lot of times people do find themselves in situations where they pick their battles and they pick and choose. Like what are the things that... My mom could say that I would then turn around and say to her, I know you didn't mean it that way, but when you said it, I immediately thought this and felt that way. And, you know, I was a little offended and I'd like it if maybe you would not use that term anymore because it does. It sends me to a place that I don't like being. and It just fosters conversation, but I think there's a way to be angry. Right? Like, there's a way to be upset about something. You don't have to yell and jump up and down and curse people out when you're angry. Like, you can be angry and never raise your voice.
0: Anger is the seed of change. In my opinion, if anger is used properly, it's like the seed to the oak tree. Nobody ever sees the seed to the oak tree. It's in the dirt, right? And, and that's that's the genesis of change. Anger is the genesis of change. And if you do it right, if you water it, that anger becomes passion. That passion becomes planning. That planning becomes productivity. It becomes listening. It becomes understanding. It becomes compromise. And it, it grows into the world in something that people want to take ownership of and be proud of.
1: So I think basically we're saying if you have bipolar disorder, you are very likely to be offended by someone at some time. They might mean well and are just awkward about their attempt at trying to build rapport with you or trying to fill the void or, like you said, in efforts of trying not to say something awkward. They say something awkward anyway. And then there are sometimes people use things out of ignorance. They don't know. They, they may not know. Um, And then sometimes they are just being not nice people, but you have to decide how you handle that and how you channel that anger and what you do with it. And whether you decide to hold on to this one, as the great philosopher Kenny Rogers said, got no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, no one to run.
0: Completely. And Dr. Nicole, I don't want you to be the only one who gets angry letters. So I'm going to say some things that's going to generate some angry emails. When you do decide to to talk to somebody about something offensive that they said or that they've done in regards to bipolar disorder and mental illness, you need to own why you're doing it. Because listen... If the reason that you're doing it is to get revenge and to get that person to admit that they were wrong and to hurt them like they've hurt you, listen, that is your choice and I cannot stop you from making it, but please don't call it advocacy. If your goal is to make them feel as bad as they made you feel, that is not advocacy, that is revenge. It is hard. I understand it. When, when that feeling wells up in me, this is why I have my friends. This is why I have my family. This is venting is an art that we should all foster with our friends, our family, and our support system. I make sure that when I go out and talk to the people who have said or done the offensive things that I am empowering myself and my community and my society to know that my goal is to seek change. It's so that they can know better and do better. It's not to embarrass them. It's not to browbeat them. It's not to tell them they were bad. And it's not to seek revenge. It is to provide them with information that they were missing. The emails are already writing themselves, Dr. Nicole.
1: They're coming. They're coming. But this was good stuff. This was good stuff.
0: It's good. I, I think it's important to be honest. Dr. Nicole, I, I know we got to get out of here, but I, I really do want to say one more thing. I think that sometimes we have to give people grace in the way that they talk about mental illness because our self-talk is usually reflective of that. I never once lied awake at night and wondered if I was having a mental health condition. I never once said I'm thinking about completing suicide. I never used any of that language. I wondered if I was going effing nuts. I wanted to die. I used very specific, bold, and quite frankly, offensive language to describe my own experiences to myself. If that's the way I'm talking to myself, then that is obviously the way that that I'm going to talk to others. And if we are truly, truly as a mental health community interested in meeting people where they are, remember many people on their mental health journey are still at the phrase where they're using very stigmatizing language because that's the only language that we have collectively ever been taught to describe our emotions, our pain, and our struggles. And if we shut those people down because we believe that they were offensive to us, it's quite possible that we miss that they were telegraphing their own struggles to us and then we lose the opportunity to work with them, to help them, and to see them. Just keep that in mind.
1: Well, there's nothing else to be said after that. Okay, nothing. I love it when you're speechless. Nothing. Mostly
0: because I just get to talk more. This is your
1: mic drop moment. This is your mic just dropping uh, to walk away.
0: Don't don't drop the mic though. Healthline doesn't like that. These, these <laughs> mics were expensive. <laughs> Dr. Nicole, thank you for hanging out with me. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illnesses, an Asshole, and Other Observations. You can grab it at Amazon because, well, you can grab everything at Amazon. But if you want a signed copy with free swag, head over to GabeHoward.com.
1: And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington. You can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Nicole Psych to see all the things I have my hand in at any given moment. Can
0: you do Dr. Nicole and me a favor? Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe. It is absolutely free. And tell somebody. Share us on social media. Send a text message. Send an email. Bring it up in a support group. Do not make Inside Bipolar your best kept secret. Sharing the show is how we grow. We will see everybody next time on Inside Bipolar.
1: You've been listening to Inside Bipolar from Healthline Media and psychcentral.com. Have feedback for the show? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash IBP or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.